Well, welcome back to the Limehouse podcast. Yeah, it's been a while, huh? My God, it's been a while. But uh, I'll tell you for why. It's pretty simple, really. Uh, It's babies. Uh, It's baby, actually, in this case. And um, moving. (laughs) So two of the most stressful situations combined, much like the 1996 classic A Perfect Storm, starring Mark Wahlberg and George Clooney. I remember getting that on VHS when I was a little kid. Anyway, uh, yes. Yeah, so essentially, that's why it's been ages, and, and I, I'm fine with that. I, I, I mean, Jesus Christ, I ain't being lazy. That's for damn sure. Um, but th- this week's a great one. It's one of my heroes, actually, uh, Steve Guttenberg. You'll remember him from the '80s and pretty much every film that was ever made in the '80s. Uh, I mean, three men. And, well, okay, three men. A little. Late Lady and Baby, uh, classics, classic movies. I grew up with those movies. Quotable, fun, feel-good, funny films based on plays. Uh, anything based on a play always seems to have a foundation, a rock-solid foundation of something um, core, cool and fantastic. Um, I guess Police Academy, right? Police Academy. Where would the world be without Police Academy? Where? I don't know. I don't know. Some horrible hellhole. And, um, yeah, you don't need to go on about the, the lists of... You don't want to hear the lists of movies he's done because you'll know. But um, it's a great chat and he's very philosophical and it's really sweet. And, and, and I, I, I was... I don't know. I was worried I'd become a little bit fanboy and, um, I, I don't know, just ruin it. But I didn't. I stayed on, stayed on, on, on track. I think we both bonded really quite well, actually. Um, and and it was great. It was. It was a good chat. But uh, anyway, uh, onwards and upwards. If you if you do feel like listening to previous uh, episodes, please do. There are plenty of other ones. I mean, a good companion piece to this one would be the Phil Brown episode that I did um, a little while ago. A guy who was obviously with Nell and I and Aliens Three, that kind of thing. Uh, Nighty Night, which is a, cran- a fantastic BBC comedy, <laughs> dark dark comedy. Uh, yeah, and there obviously there are loads of other episodes you can dig into, but you know I I think I do need to go back slightly and talk about the new um, baby in in my in our lives, and where the hell I am right now. Um, so we had a baby called uh, and she's called Ray. She is now a month old, roughly yeah, a month old. She's gorgeous. She's got a bit, bit of the old colic, so she tends to keep us up at night a lot. Uh, Pearl is being wonderful with her, which is amazing. You know, a little, little that's pretty that's pretty cool for a two-year-old to be so good with it all. And that's that's great. That's really exciting. I don't know. It's exciting for the future. So they're not going to be like enemies, which you don't want. I mean, that's like my biggest fear is they're just going to be constantly at each other. So hopefully this is this is a good... A good start. Um, and and the other thing is the move. So I've moved. We've moved to um, stay with my uh, in-laws for a couple of months, maybe a bit longer, um, whilst the move f- finalises um, down in, uh, in in Norfolk, in, in Dis. So currently I am, we are without, we are without um, digs, like permanent digs. So it's kind of, kind of weird. And obviously we're living in this insane time. 
And half of me is kind of glad to be out of um, London, having got a, a, a negative test, both of us. We got tested before we left. And we've been pretty much, we were in the deepest, darkest countryside here. So we're super isolated. But um, it's, it's crazy. It's so weird. I don't know what to say. But yeah, look, uh, I hope you have been well. It's a whole of Christmas and New Year's. I, I don't know what you got up to. I mean, I, I can imagine if it was anything like mine, then, you, oh, God damn, that was a freaking blowout. That was hor- horrendous amounts of alcohol. That was such a hangover. And I promised I wouldn't do it, but I did it. Anyway, what are you going to do? Um, and uh, God, you know. <laughs> oh, it's so weird doing this again. It's been such a long time. Well, a month, I don't know. It's just you get used to it, you get into a rhythm, and I think I've fallen out of rhythm. But anyway, here is Steve, the chat with Steve Guttenberg, the one and only. If you do want to check out uh, any more of, of my creativity, my my uh, my creative journey, so to speak, please go to somedaysarediamonds.co.uk where you can check out my short film, and some of my writing. So that's somedaysdiamonds.co.uk. It's a good short film, that man. It's a comedy, bit of drama in there. You'll love it. You will. You'll love it. Anyway, onwards and upwards, look after yourself, and hopefully, maybe I'll see you next Sunday. At the moment, there's so much, you know, there's there's, there's so many twists and turns in, in our lives at the moment that it's hard to predict when I'll put a podcast out, but hopefully next week. And if I do, it's um, either going to be... Uh, a fantastic, amazing guest, or um, which I'm really excited about, or perhaps um, three parts of this Tom Petty documentary that I've been kind of been trying to get to you for a long time, but because of circumstances, it's been very hard to edit it. So hopefully next week you'll either get one of those two exceptionally cool things. Anyway, look after yourself. Stay in, stay in touch. Obviously on Twitter at Limehouse Pod. And I'm always on Instagram, the Limehouse Podcast. Oh, look after yourselves, guys. Hello. Hello. How how are you, sir? I'm good. I just had some surgery on my arm last Thursday, so I. So I've been told. Yeah. So recuperating, but doing great. Oh, bless you! Goodness me, what what happened? I was exercising and I blew well, out. Well, there you go. What a mistake. What a mistake. The first exactly. mistake you made. The, it, it, it wasn't this kind of exercising which would have been smart. Okay, so, just just to say that's the um, the drinking uh, arm movement, yeah? That, 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 <laughs> that, I'm, that actually I'm strong as an ox. <laughs> but uh, I oh. was working out and I popped a tendon in my bicep. And I couldn't believe it, but they said I had to have surgery to reattach it to the bone. God, sounds like a professional footballer in- injury. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I, uh, um, I, I, I was actually in the in the office of the surgeon, the hand surgeon, yeah. and he had all the pictures of all the baseball players and footballers and all these people. And I said, "Well, if you do them, I guess you're going to be able to do some." <laughs> <laughs> If the actor, right? Well, you know, it, make, it makes you feel it makes you feel better that you're in the hands of a, a professional. I mean, yeah. you know, if you stumble down an alleyway and sort of go, "Hey, it's it's cheaper," but you know, he's kind of got one wonky eye and he's like Steve Martin in, um, you know, the Little Shop of Horrors or something, yeah. then you're in trouble. 
yeah, you know, I did have to actually really have to shop for a surgeon because I oh, really yeah, it, it's a it's a unique operation. People don't do it all the time. Orthopedic surgeons are trained in it, but they don't do it all the time. So I had to find. Took me uh, almost over a week to find a surgeon who does it. Who's done five hundred of them. Um, most of the surgeons have said, "Yeah, I've done it a few times." And right. my first inclination was, "Okay, then you're fine." But as I said to a, 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 an old friend of mine a long time ago, said, "Keep look when you have surgery. Look at their curriculum vitae. Look at their education. Look at what they've trained." So if you're having an arm operation, you want a right. guy who's trained in arms as opposed to a guy who just just does knees or does hips and things like that. So for sure, yeah. So I think a, I, a specialist. I just can't imagine what it must be like to have that for like over a week. So I presume your right arm was just almost limp by your side, sort of thing. No, you know what? It worked, but I don't know if you've ever seen there. It doesn't have the surgery does not have to be done but what you get is a popeye arm i don't know if you've ever seen somebody with their bicep oh. instead of it being long it's very short and big oh yeah 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 and once in a while you'll see a guy with it and you'll stare at him and think what it looks muscular <laughs> but it looks really small what's wrong with yeah, that you know. guy but just you know as long as you're not too close and staring too hard then it's fine then it's, you, know? you know what I have, I have a friend who actually had this injury and did not have the surgery. And he says it's fine, but it's a little... Freaky. Um, yeah, it's a little misshapen <laughs> and strange looking. And he doesn't have all his power. So I thought right. to myself, at the end of the day, I thought, you know what? I'm an active guy. I want to, I want to have my arm back. So I decided mm. to do it. And uh, yeah. Well, so so where um whereabouts are you anyway in in the U.S. of A.? I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was struggling with time zones and trying to f figure it all out. But um, yeah. Gosh, Phoenix. That um, did that go Biden or did that go Trump? It went Biden. Oh, great, great stuff. Great. How Good play. <laughs> in England? I saw a little bit of the of the Parliament the other day. That it seems like it's the, that they want. Biden, yes. Oh well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Except for sort of maybe Boris Johnson, um, who who the media over here say that um, Boris was quite chummy with with Trump. I don't know how far that actually goes. I I think to be as much as I dislike Johnson, I don't think he's anything like Trump. And I, in terms of personality, I don't think those two would probably get along all that well in a room anyway. Because Johnson is much of a as a crooked politician as he is, he's actually incredibly intelligent. So um, I, I think he'd probably see through Trump within about five seconds. Yeah. But, um, you know, God, I'm so glad you guys got Biden. Yeah, I can't tell you the relief over here. Me too. It's it's extraordinary. Well, he's, you know, he, he, he was able to convince enough people and somehow got lucky. He, but he did not get, Trump didn't get the popular vote last time. But he was able to get this electoral college. So, yeah, yeah, that, exactly. So many millions of people voting this year. It's, it's going to be. It's been amazing, I suppose, mm -hmm. for democracy. But um, let's talk. Let's let's talk. Steve Gutenberg. My favorite subject. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, ah, oh, this is. 
it's crazy. It's been so much fun researching you and, and, and what have you. Um, in particular, growing up with some of your movies. Mm. Um, I mean, I, it, it's sort of, it's, it kind of goes without saying, you're probably the, the most active actor in the 80s, right? And part yeah. of the 90s is, is in, yeah. it's insane. Yeah. But it didn't just start. It didn't just, it's not like it just started in the 80s. Where, where did it start, start out for you? Were you a, a young lad watching like, I don't know, like a, a, a TV, com- I don't know, TV commercial or a Western or something. And you just thought, hey, I want some of that. Well, it actually, it occurred from a family friend of ours was an mm-hmm. actor. My parents grew up with him in Brooklyn. His name was Michael Bell. And yeah. he moved from Brooklyn to California and would always come and visit and stay with us. Very tall, good looking, broad shouldered guy. He always right. had money. Um, okay. Beautiful girls. Beautiful wow. Cadillac rented, always rented a great Cadillac. The only, so he was an actor. This is the only actor ever, right? That oh, has been like that. The oh only God. actor ever. And I, yeah. and I, I, I literally said one day, someone said to me, what, what do you want to do when you grow up? I was seven or eight. And I said, what does Michael do? And they said, well, he's an actor. And I said, that sounds good to me. <laughs> Oh, I love the the no shit ABC of that story. That is fantastic. Oh my god! I think so because what surprises me is like so many actors. Uh, obviously, what is it like one percent out of the entire world, if that become have any form of success? And then you, the the one guy, the one actor that you find has got a swanky car and uh, beautiful women hanging off his off his shoulder. That's quite funny. Uh, yeah, he he was always in yeah. a good mood. Um, and he was always entertaining. Mm. And, you know, my dad was in the real world and really trying to make a normal living with three kids. And he was, you know, he was very, my father was terrific, but he got into grumpy moods. Seemed like Michael was never in a grumpy mood, be it he was on vacation or visiting. But um, he, he then, he was kind enough to expose me to the craft and would send me books. And I was only eight or nine, 10 years old. Wow. And he would send me children's theater books and um, reading about what it's like to do a play or a scene or a character. So by the time I was 12 years old, I decided to join a troupe. And uh, I joined a children's theater troupe on Long Island, where we lived, um, okay, yeah. called the Town of Oyster Bay Teen Repertory Theater. <laughs> Straight into like um, uh, Macbeth and uh, King Lear, right? I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, uh, 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 Rumpelstiltskin, Prince of the Popper. Yeah. Um, Lovely. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and also, I think this might be very true for a lot of actors. It's the first time that I was able to get in the same room with other, with girls and get in costume. Yeah. And it was my first real sort of sideway glance into what a girl looked like in a, you know, in a dressing in gotcha. behind a, a curtain in, into her outfit. Um, it's a crazy, it's a crazy world, isn't it? It's like so many actors, so 
many and uh, and not a lot of people no, I don't know about that but I mean I suppose there are a handful let's say that would openly go uh, I got into acting because there are beautiful girls in acting and the, there are hardly any guys there to steal the girls away so that's where I'm going right you know it's only 12 what 15 years old it's like that's just everything's moving you in that direction right right it makes a lot of sense and it, it just <laughs> because the great thing I think about being that age is there are no um, keeping up with the Joneses uh, there isn't I didn't know that anyone had a bigger house than us. I didn't know that anyone, that there were different amounts of money that different fathers made. You're very, mm. you're pure to that. So you're, you have the luxury of natural inclinations that are, are honest and, and, and right. Um, you know, I think it's a it's a good notion to say, I want to be around beautiful girls. Mm. But what happens as you get older is, well, the only way I can get around beautiful girls if is if I have a great car or if I have <laughs> money or if I do something. So you start to add on those accoutrements to your suit. Whereas yeah. when I was 12 years old, the only suit I had was my personality and my honesty. For so sure. It was a it was a really good time. I, I actually um you know, not to get too deep, but I do No, please do. Well I do really miss the days where um you didn't know that other people had bigger houses than you or what it meant. You know, my I had a a friend whose father was a, a bus driver. And we mm, thought that was yeah. the coolest job in the world. Right, yeah. He he had a lunchbox. He had a really cool uniform. He, you know, he drove a bus. He met all these neat people. Yeah, he looked after people, right? Got people from A, B, a to B, you know, right. that's a big deal. Right. Whereas today, right. that might be looked down upon because of maybe all the media we have. Now we know about people's multi-million dollar apartments and who has the biggest car and who's a billionaire. Whereas in yeah. those, you know, those days, especially because we didn't have computers, nobody knew about those things. So there was a yeah. real purity to, interestingly enough, I didn't want to be an actor to make a lot of money. Okay, yeah. I wanted to be an actor because I could be around beautiful women, interesting yeah. teachers, um, and every day I was learning about a new play. There's this really cool playwright from France named Moliere. Who's he? <laughs> he yeah. Oh my right. God, he wrote that. Wow, that's a, what a cool play that is. Let's do that play, you know? Um, yeah. It was a good, it, I, I, I missed that. I miss that part of being an actor where making a living has nothing to do with it. Yeah. It, it you know, it's funny cause it's all in, it's all in, in, entwined, isn't it? Like being like in anything creative before someone comes along that golden period before someone comes along and says, yeah, but what are you really going to do with your life before they kind of shatter your dreams? 
obviously, you know, that's not for everybody. Some people get incredibly lucky, but particularly, you know, in your case, fantastic. But it even as you sit there now, it's I get that real palpable sense that it's there's a longing, isn't there, that your heart, it's the rosebud moment, isn't it? That your heart always holds on to that core thing in you. And, and clearly you haven't let that go. No, I haven't. I, I, um, I'm a bit of a, of a dichotomy in which I know as an adult, I have to pay my bills. Hmm. But as an artist, I want to do something um, really way out that makes people laugh, you know, uh, put a dress on, um, put a funny <laughs> hat on, um, yeah. you know, walk on my hands, um, you know, uh, put a fake, put fake legs on and, you know, make people, you know, just laugh for the silliness of it. For um, sure. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, and, and of course doing absurd theater is a somewhat of that, but there's, um, there's there's show and there's business long time ago i had a manager who wanted me to do uh some pictures basically because they were going to pay me well yeah and i was reticent and he said well you know it's not show friendship it's show business and um, and I bit, and there are times when I think most of the time I'm glad I did because it gave my family and myself some security. And you know, in the art world, mm. as you get older, you you need to have that fu money, yeah, so that you can buy groceries, you can buy a car, you can go to the theater, you can take care of your children, you can help your family. And Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, that is... Is raw. Sorry, carry on. But the bu- Sorry, say that. The business can get so raw... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, as you say, 99% of artists don't make a living. Mm. And it's it's harsh on them. Really is. I mean, you see, yeah, you... you I, I always go back to the, the the sort of with Nell and I moment. Have you seen with Nell and I? Yes, I have. Yeah, like the end, the the soliloquy at the end. I always have to say that word slowly. It's a real tongue twister. The when he's um, you know, I think it's Hamlet or something. I'm just butchering. I'm butchering the Shakespeare that he references in the film. But anyway, and it's to the to the wolves in the um, the zoo, and it's so. It's so intense that moment. It's 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 every actor that has has fallen by the wayside. Some come out the other the other side. But I I know Bruce Robinson when he wrote that he wrote that with a friend of his in mind, and I I think it went pear shaped for him. I think he um it ended tragically for him. But yeah, you know I I I think it is the 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 fu money thing that you touched on there <clears throat> is quite an interesting one because a friend of mine um. So, and this is this is putting it in a not a grotesque way but it's kind of funny he calls he says he's got an expression bitch bitch has got to pay rent you know at the end of the day bitch has got to pay rent and it's like he's he's really does well for himself he, you know he really does but he he does the jobs that come along he's a job he's a jobbing actor he has to do right. these things right? right and and it it it's a job 
it's a job it is you know it is at the end of the day it is a job right the i always say you know when even the footballers Masi or any of the, the great footballers when they go back and when they're on the field one is a star and one is not but when they go back into the locker room basically everybody gets the same size locker yeah and the fact that one gets paid more and one gets more uh more 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 sizzle it's a job as you get older it's going to work and god willing you catch a character or catch a type of movie that you do well and they want you to be in more of them so they pay you well and you can sleep a little better at night not worrying about the kids private school or uh, mm. the, uh, the 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 rent or the lighting bill for the next week but it really does come down to when you speak to i think as, as absolutely as you get older when you speak to guys it really is about going to work and jobbing even mm. you know no matter who you are and I wouldn't would say any names but no matter what famous actor you are to an extent you're jobbing too because no matter who you are you get you get stuck in a certain mode whether you're Cary Grant Cary Grant's not going to have a gun he's not going to do Charlie Bronson movies yeah even if he Cary Grant wanted to he said I really want to do uh you know one of these you know kill the bad guy movies he, he almost did it with North by Northwest, right? So that was about as close as he got. That's about as close <laughs> as he got. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And exactly. Um, but I think that you, it, it, it's a, I wrestle with it all the time. I must tell you about oh, really? being an artist and yeah. being uh, a financier of my life and my family's life. Yeah. And, I wrestle with it constantly um, mm. about being who I am right now to you or being yeah. the, hey, you know, putting it on. And sure, yeah. I don't like to put it on because myriad of reasons, and probably we all don't, but sometimes you have yeah. to. You, you know, I walked into a party one time and a guy next to me and said, let the schmooze begin. <laughs> yeah and somebody else told me an interesting an interesting um, paragraph and they said the wheels of show business are made of iron metal grinding iron metal mm. and the the charm the schmooze is what oils those horrible wheels because metal on metal would just be so horrible to take and it is yeah. once in a while you'll talk to somebody i had an agent that i wanted to go with and i called her and she was just metallic to me so acidic she said, no, I don't really think so. I, I don't think I really want to represent you. And, um, you know, you've got to get somebody else. And you, you're just not for me. I, you don't have enough for me. 
and it was how how harsh mm. it can be. Um, yeah. And as you get older, you start to contemplate that. I, you know, mm. I, I say every day to my wife, to my family, I wish I could have a better sense of humor about the business. I remember a long time, you know, the, Gene Hackman, and I'm sure he won't mind this, Gene Hackman hated the business. He's retired now. Yeah. But he he retired at the age of 70-something. He loved the craft. He was a great New York stage actor and, of course, a beautiful film. He had such beautiful film craft. But he hated the business. And he left the business because he hated the machinations of it. It's, oh, absolutely. And so did, I, so I did could, Cagney. Cagney left early and a lot of people. Yeah, Cagney, that is, is, that is a, a wow, a whole evening of conversation with about James Cagney and that whole, that whole era. It's, it's, to me, very close to my heart. heart. I love all the, that, that whole part of Hollywood, you know, going from talkies, uh, sorry, from uh, silent movies into the talkies. It's, it's fascinating how people roll with the punches. I mean, and, I, and, and God, the, the, the business of the Hollywood business back then would have been brutal i mean it's it's still brutal now let's like let mix not mix our punches here it's like it with harvey weinstein there must that's not the only guy out there that's like that and 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 it's not just harvey it's like there, there it is there is a, a really nasty undercurrent to it all and it's also it's kind of done quite well in la la land actually there's a moment in the beginning where i think it's emma, I, can't, I can't remember who's in emma stone? La la now god emma stone um and she goes to that audition on her phone and and you know it just gives you that rough kind of vague idea of how harsh some auditions can be yeah. but obviously it turns out pretty damn well for her in the end but you know there are these little kind of like moments within hollywood that lift the curtain back occasionally and us mortals get to look at it and go oh okay yeah, I see. But it's very interesting how honest you're being there, Steve, because it's really, it is it is hard. But I, I personally think the gift that you've given is outweighs so much of the, the dichotomy that you're, you're talking about here with between art and, and paying the bills, because you've made people like literally cry with laughter. <laughs> do you know what I mean and and some of the, the chemistry that you've shared with people on film is just phenomenal you know because comedy comedy chemistry is it's untouchable that stuff laughter particularly now the situation we're in in with our, all our lives it's 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 uh, uh, you know you cannot put a, a monetary figure on that for people's lives at the moment thank you thank you I I am when I'm in that marshmallow where I can be the only one on the planet who has what I have and, yeah. and I know it it's a wonderful moment um, yeah. and uh, I've been lucky enough to have several of them where I knew what I was doing on this set nobody was doing in the whole world and that once it's in a small little circle. Then it'll be edited. Then there'll be music. Then there'll be color correction. Then there'll be a print. Yeah. And then finally, it'll get out. And the whole world will see what I did in that little space was 
I was the only one in the world who could do that. Um, and I've been pretty good at knowing when it was good. I'm pretty good at knowing when it's not so good, too. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's it's cool. I mean, I, I'd, 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 I'd really love to know when it's sort of for you, because I know we were talking about childhood dreams about becoming, you know, an actor and, and, and your, your friend, um, your friend, your, you know, your boyhood hero looking up to him. But when was it? You, you you sort of finally it clicked for you uh or either it's like a fir- your first commercial or what have you uh or like your first audition and you were like hey this is working well i graduated high school in long island and uh i told my mom and dad i wanted to go out to california and become maybe a movie star if i could and they said, well, you've got two weeks and then you, you have to go back to college. So I said, two weeks, what? That, that seems like enough time. Wow. It, <laughs> oh my God. Two weeks seems like a lot of time. I mean, that's, wow, <laughs> two weeks of 24 hours each. <laughs> sure, I'll do that. I could do that. So my mom and dad gave me, um, bought me a ticket plane ticket to live with Michael for two weeks and gave me $300 to put in my pocket. And I hit the ground running. I went out there and um, I, uh, I said to Michael, can you introduce me to your agent? And he said, uh, I guess so. Sure. So he was actually doing commercials a lot. So he was a bit of a commercial star. So he had some power with his agency. I went out there and, Actually, the um, the agency was in uh, Beverly Hills. So I went there and I met with the agent and I said, uh, I said, I need a Hollywood agent. And they said, well, we are a Hollywood agent. I go, but you're in Beverly Hills. I need an agent <laughs> in Hollywood. And they said, said, you just, you don't get it. And I didn't get it. And that was yeah. the great part of it all. So for sure, yeah. The great part of it was I didn't get it. I think there's a great deal, yeah. great deal of value in not knowing the rules. Um, so what I started, what I did was he gave me his pacer, which was an old big fat car from 1975, and I got the addresses of all the studios, and I started driving around to all the studios and uh, going up to the gate guard and saying, I wanted to come in and, you know, I want to meet some producers and directors. And they said, well, that's just not going to happen. So I went to Warner's, I went to Metro, I went to um, 20th, I went to um, Burbank, I went to everywhere. This is adorable. I love it. This is adorable. And uh, I finally went to Paramount and I watched at the Bronson Gate how people would walk in and and uh, they would, you know, punch their card. Right. Yeah. So I went home the next day. I brought my got my bar mitzvah jacket and my briefcase, <laughs> which my dad gave me a briefcase. This is great. And I walked in with the crowd and waved to the guard and took a blank card and punched it. And walked in and I was on the lot 
Oh, man. And it was like being in The Wizard of Oz. It was Oz. There was a fire department. There was a hospital. There was the executive building. There was the Lucille Ball makeup building, which was empty. I went inside. I chose an office. Uh, I waited till nighttime. I went, went down to 6 o'clock when the um, Bing Crosby Productions was there. And he was the first guy to use golf carts. So I, I, I unplugged the golf cart, drove over to the prop department, and said, I need a desk and chair and, uh, and paintings for the, um, for, for the uh, Happy Days set. And uh, I need it now. And he said, well, I'm clothing. I can't believe you are telling me this. This is this is insane. And I I got the car. I got the, the the stuff. Put it on my my cart. Drove it back to my office. Lugged it up to the third floor where I had an empty office. And then I went. My dad's an electrical engineer, and I know a little bit about wiring. I spliced the telephone from the set. You know, all, all these terrific sets have telephones. Yeah. Uh, and I spliced the telephone. Dragged it. Uh, and threw it up to the third floor through the window, and uh, I had a telephone. I had an office. <laughs> what? Oh my god, that is unbelievable! So, what you? How long did that last before, before someone came in and went? Oh, what the hell are you doing here? Two years. No. Yeah, and I would I would go in every day, make phone calls, call agents, call managers, call. On Thursday in the Variety came out television, what was going on. On Friday came out film. And I would call every production and find out if they're casting for somebody. Um, and finally, I got a phone call from my Michael's agent who said there's a, an audition for a Kentucky Fried Chicken commercial. This was right. within the first two weeks. So um, I went in for the audition. And I had a wonderful man actor sitting sitting next to me, a man, and he said, he said, just smile. When you walk into that room, smile, but I want you to leave something here with me when you go in for your audition. I want you to leave your pride. So whatever they ask you to do in that audition, no matter how silly, you'll do it. Yeah. And I said, okay. And he said, give me your pride, like a little pantomime. And I took my right. pride out and I put it in his hand and I walked in and they said, yell and jump and you're, you're sitting next to the colonel and, and I got the job. Oh, that's brilliant. And um, I called my parents and I said, I think I can do this. Can I stay a few more months? They let me stay a few more months and I made calls and I got an, an agent and uh, I got a television movie with a small part. Uh -huh. And um, it just started going from there. And I would go to Paramount every day that I wasn't shooting, use the office. I'd go into the commissary. I'd go into the sauna, and there would be all there would be Charlton Heston and Michael Landon, and uh, all the all the guys on Happy Days, and Mork and Mindy, and you know Robin Williams, and all these people would be in the gym, and I would walk around the lot, and at night. I would haunt all the executive offices and find out what movies are coming up before they're in variety. And all Brilliant. the offices were open because the cleaning ladies were there. 
So I would yeah. go to the president and vice president's office and snoop through their papers and find out what's going on. Oh, oh my. Absolutely amazing. I can't, it, that is astonishing. Honestly, like I've heard some stories in my life, but that is, that is right up there. That's unbelievable. Oh man. Does, is this common knowledge to people? Is this like known? It, it's, I don't, you know, I've never, I mean, I don't think people talk about it often, but I've told it once in a yeah. while. But God, um, that's amazing. But so, so what? Um, I, I did write a, I I'm, wrote a, a little ten-year mem- memoir, and I wrote it in yeah. there. Brilliant! Oh my God, that's fantastic! I can't. Oh man, I can't get my head around how how much of a hustle that is. That's the ultimate hustle. Ultimate that hustle. That puts. It puts every other, but that's what you need to do in, in this business, you know. Bend some rules, break some rules. That's fantastic. Yeah, oh my God, I would. So I would, what? You know, I would just wait for directors to walk out of their building, and I would grab them and say, "Yeah, I wonder if I can have an audition and things like that." And so, how did? Um, I mean, your big break was uh, the, the the Police Academy movies, right? So, um, I mean, I I'm guessing that. The, there has to be some sort of some kind of Gutenberg kind of magic that you the strict I don't know your the magic you work to get to get your foot in the door there. Well, the the first real break I interestingly had was I quit Hollywood after the first year and I went back to school in upstate New York. And, okay. And my agent called me and said, "There's a movie called The Boys from Brazil shooting in Portugal, and they they'd like to see you because they saw some clips of my work." So I went down there and uh, I auditioned and I didn't think I was going to get it. And I, I got the picture and I went overseas and I was able to be friendly with James Mason and Greg Peck and Larry Olivier and, and, and Frank Schaffner and really start to. Holy God. Wow. And I felt very comfortable mm. with those guys. I felt very you get, com- comfortable. In did the- you get to? Do you get to drink with them? <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I, I <laughs> damn. I, okay, that would be good. But you know, I, I, I got, to, I got to understand what it's like to be around the um, the guys who knew what they were doing. So eventually, I made my best self way back to Hollywood, and um, I got a call from my agent saying. Um, actually that they're going to do um, this movie called Police Academy. So uh, I got the script and I just cottoned to it right away. And I thought, this is, this reminds me of a cross between Stripes, the Bill Murray film, yeah, and yeah. Um, An Officer and a Gentleman, Richard Gere. Okay, right, That's yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. And my dad actually was a cop. And, I mean, okay. Yeah, and he sent me his police academy shirt, and I used that for my screen test. Oh. And um, the um, it was between me and a, uh, a one another wonderful actor, um, and he was terrific. Um, and uh, as I understand it, one of the executives at the Lad Company, they couldn't decide who to pick and. One of the executives stood up and said, I want the Jew. (laughs) Give me the Jew. Give me the Jew. (laughs) Jews are funny. 
<laughs> it's true. <laughs> so um, I, I got that part, and uh, we had a very funny director, a guy named Hugh Wilson, who was yeah. really, really smart. He knew story. Uh, he just was brilliant. So I got very lucky on that picture. Um, yeah. And, uh, la laughed every day. Really funny. I mean, honestly, because I think that everyone uh, has a has a memory of the, the Police Academy movies, and and they they hold their own. They really, really do. There's just yeah. magic in those movies. And I, I remember the theme tune a lot when I was younger. That really stuck in my head. Da, I used to da, love. Da, 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 yeah, da, da, da. it's it's. It's great. It's just, it's just fucking great. Like straight off the bat, it's just absolutely brilliant. And it's like, oh, I, I, I adore it. But I think it's mainly just for me. It's the set pieces and and how they all come together. So in, in such, in such a, I don't know. I mean, I use this word chemistry a lot, but it's true. You can't escape it. But the, um, but yeah, you, you just had it every scene. I mean, what was it? Did it when I don't know how long that those that, well that the, the first one took to make or what have you, but was it? Um, and I don't know. Obviously, I don't know the order in, in what, what the scenes were shot, whether it's chronologically or what have you. I presume not. Um, but how long before on set did you feel like something good is happening here? Because I know that obviously it, it, some actors are going to be like, yes, really feeling something, and then they go and see it on the big screen, and it's just dog shit and it's just fallen apart but sometimes you know you're going to get that feeling on set that something good is happening first day really wow straight away straight away you know we we had i think we had six weeks to shoot it 30 i think we had 36 days Great. and um the director was so funny he was just funny in makeup and he was funny in everything he did, he had a big, he had a big southern accent and big teeth, and he would say, "Now, listen, <laughs> here's what I want you to do." Now, the reason this is funny is that you're standing here and you're looking at her thighs, and she doesn't know you're looking at her thighs, and that just that's funny. And I trusted him because I knew he was really funny, and yeah. he made me laugh, and I took my acting chops and I molded them into those comedy moments because so many times when you are doing something funny, it's about the character taking that moment very seriously. And you're, <clears throat> the audience is on the outside and knows that that's funny. This character thinks it's serious. So, when I really play, committed to the moments and earned the moments, um, that's when it was really funny. And just even with Hugh Wilson, the very first day was the first day was the scene where um, where Larvell Jones and I are in the police station. Right. And I'm yeah. sitting next to him and I go, how you doing? You know, we introduce each other and he does his machine gun. Well, <laughs> you know, the crew cracked up and you know, when the crew cracks up, you have a, you have a great chance of it being funny. Um, and from then on, 
everything about the story was 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 rooted in some sort of reality, but it was funny. Like, uh, this guy does not want to go to jail. So all he has to do is go to the police academy and get kicked out. And it's just a, such a simple, simple device. But it worked. Right. You know, it yeah. really worked. Good conflicts. I like it. It's, I, I just, they're iconic. They're so, they're just... I love it so much, and like um, I think, well, as, as a as a as a younger guy, I think I wanted to. I think there are a lot of boys, guys that wanted to be you. Yeah, you know, yeah. the Matt, the very very handsome guy in blue. Yeah, you know, and it's just, it, there's something that really talks to to people on that level. You know, the the empowerment of the um, the uniform, the good looks, you know, and the the cheeky the cheeky aspect of it, you know. You know, they, they asked Cary Grant, one time Cary Grant was with a buddy of his and he said Cary, and he said to Cary, uh, boy, you know, I really would like to be you. And Cary Grant said, so would I. <laughs> right. I, yeah, I, totally. Like what, so what, like speaking to that point, what was it like going out around, I don't know where you were at the time, Hollywood, off the top of my head, but... What was it like going around in bars and stuff like then when you've got that amount of fame on you? It was cake. It was pastry. It was sugar. <laughs> it was, you know, the first time you taste the fame, it's pretty extraordinary. Uh, people trust you. People know you. People mm. give you things. People let you in first. People want you around. Um, yeah. I still, I'm, I'm used to it now, but I'm still, I still appreciate it and know that it's a gift and not to abuse it. Uh, yeah. Because people open their arms wide because they think they know you. Um, and, uh, and you actually, if you do something wrong, they can actually find you. Right. Yeah. So I yeah. think that there's something to that too. If you're famous, you eventually can't hide. Um, yeah. No. I. 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 Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just interesting though because it's a kind of police academy is a kind of fame, uh, and the the the, the fame you experienced in the eighties was literally lad like just glass ceiling. De yeah. being decimated um did there ever come a point where it became like a bit too much a bit too surreal a bit too like dear god the the rosebud moment we were talking about earlier for example where you go i think i need to reconnect with my 12 year old self or whatever or you know you do if you're lucky mm -hmm. you don't go too far from the boat when you go too far from the boat and keep grabbing those floating donuts and the floating pastries um, and biscuits as they keep you get you look back and you can't find the boat anymore mm. and you can't find you anymore and those are the disasters that we yeah. we hear about every once in a while yeah and we've, we've seen that with Johnny Depp at the moment yeah yeah you know exactly uh you really need that grounding, not somebody to put you down, 
but somebody to remind you. Very few people are born a movie star, you know. Uh, you know, you know, very few people are born Prince Harry or Prince William. The second they come out, okay. they're a big star. Hmm. Um, even Michael Douglas or you know Kiefer Sutherland, they had to work for it. Hmm. You have to earn it. But very few people are prepared for that sort that that stardom. And hmm. um, I was, you have to have something to hang on to, whether it's that 12-year-old you or your friends from high school or grade school or your family where you you realize the gift that you were given that everybody can can partake of, your parents, your sisters, your friends, everyone shares in the fame. The great thing about being famous, I always say, is sharing it. Okay. Yeah. The best thing about being famous is sharing it. Whether you go to the Academy Awards and they give you this $100,000 gift bag, well, what are you going to do with it? Some people keep it, but you've got an Apple computer and an iPhone and a, a two-week vacation in Paris. You give it to the people you love. You know? Sure. I mean, wow. there's nothing like giving a swag, a swag bag to all the people you love, right? Swag, yeah. Oh my God, wowzers! Yeah, no, God, it's. Um, I think it's it's interesting because you're very much in touch with this 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 um, this narrative. It's cool. It's really it's really it's really uh, refreshing actually to 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 speak with someone whose feet are totally planted on on the ground. I mean, having said that, if I, I think if we rewound to like you know 1985 or seven or whatever. I, it would be maybe a different conversation, of course. but I mean, yeah, and that 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 could be. Oh God, that would have been quite in, quite interesting. <clears throat> I've, wa- pop, I've woken pop- up in some places that I didn't recognize. Yeah, I bet. My God, yeah. What was your um um drink of choice? You, I'm I'm a bourbon man. Were you like a beer, whatever, champagne? I I would I would smoke weed. Yeah, and, nice. Um, I really loved Heineken. Oh really? Okay. That was interesting. My, my thing. You know, I, well, you see, we we wouldn't have been friends because we, weed makes me paranoid, ah. and Heineken I can't stand. So that's that. You know, what a shame. I'm sure we would have made great friends. We but, have to you know, find, we, we have to find some other common ground. <laughs> right. You know, an old fashioned. I think old fashioned is pretty good common ground. Oh, old fashions. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, but I mean, for for me, um, and I don't want to skip uh, some of the most like cornerstone movies but one of them for me um is three men and a little lady now three men and a little baby is fantastic um but for some reason three men and a little lady sat in in our laps when we were you know when we were younger and it is i don't know what it is about that movie i think it's bonkers in places like Fiona Shaw yeah absolutely unreal yeah but I th- can you put a finger on why that why that movie works why those two movies work so well <clears throat> I think that the word chemistry absolutely comes into that because Tom Ted and I had a great chemistry yeah and and Ted once said this is the only movie that we'd ever see the three of us in because we're all very similar. 
And I found that people liked the friendship that the three guys had, the true camaraderie. And I, I actually akin it to George Stevens' film, Gunga Din. Did you ever see Gunga Din? Yeah, but um, yeah, you, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interesting to see the parallels here, Steve. So yeah, Gunga Din made, I think it was one of Cary Grant's first movies. <clears throat> Douglas Fairbanks and the third man. I apologize for not knowing his name. He was a great actor. It's about three three friends hmm. in uh, in His Majesty's service um, in the desert. Um, fighting um, certain Philistines. Um, and it was funny, and it was mm. serious, and it truly showed male friendship. And in our competitive world, it's more than a breath of fresh air to see three friends who truly care about each other. Yeah. And you'll follow them anywhere on any kind of adventure. And I, I think that that's what Three Men was. Three Men was Gunga Din with a baby. <laughs> with, a little, with a little girl, with Robin, who was eight years yeah. old at the time. And I, I didn't see that. So that's a really good, that's a really great, great way of breaking it down. That's so cool. And speaking of Robin there, I mean, what a, in Three Men and Little Lady, what a beautiful, like, um, Oh my god! Do you get you get you get you believe it, right? You just believe the love that you guys have for the for the kid, and and like, you know what? I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to England. You know, it's yeah. like oh, it it's you know it's one of the the safest feel good movies I think out there. Like it really really is. And um, you know, I've had periods of anxiety or despair in my life, and I always go to the movies that have have really just for some reason or other, you know, really. I, I just don't know what it is. It's like a chord right down to the earth, and and I just love it. It's also helps. It's hysterical. Like it, it's just yeah. like you know the when they're all waiting for uh, you guys are all waiting for Ted Danson to come in from his uh, commercial. Yeah, and he, he comes in through the door. It's like good afternoon. <laughs> oh my! And that lady's like, oh my god! <laughs> and uh, you know, you guys just carry that scene. But when you guys did you, how did that film come together? Three men, a little baby. Was it like, um, was it uh, very um, methodical? Was it like, I mean. With, I'm just going to crap all over you trying to find the right sentence to put this together, obviously. But how did it how did it come together, you guys? Were you screen tested or was it just like... Well, they, um, um, it was a French film called Three Men in a Cradle. We oui, indeed, <clears throat> yes. And um, um, uh, I forgot the director's name, Colette. Um, mm -hmm. And she brought it over to Disney, and Disney immediately bought it. And she started casting. Um, and uh, they cast Tom, and they were looking for the other two. And I went and had a meeting with her, and um, she cast me, and then she cast Ted. Uh, and 
we were all committed to shoot later that summer in Toronto. And all of a sudden, she quit. And big problems with Disney and her. And we didn't have a director. And Katzenberg, Jeffrey Katzenberg called and said, I want to keep this movie together. Mm. And I think I want to get a director named Leonard Nimoy, who directed one of the, the fourth Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, which is actually, a, this is actually a, a shin in Judaism. Oh, really? We're doing the Vulcan symbol, by the, the way. The Vulcan yeah. symbol is a Jewish symbol. <laughs> For real? Yeah, and when a rabbi blesses, that's how he put his hands. Well, there you go. It makes sense. I love this. Yeah. This is great. So um, we wanted to shoot the film, and, and Leonard came up on. The only problem was we didn't have a script. But we were all committed to shoot the movie, and Tom and Ted had to go back to their television series at a certain point. So we had to shoot. So we went up to Toronto, and literally, we didn't. It was like Casablanca. We did not know the ending of the movie. Um, Brilliant. We the, the yeah. writers um, Jim Barry and um, his partner's last name was Mulholland. They were locked in a hotel room. And they slipped pages under the door and food was slipped to them under the door. And they, we got 20, you know, we got 20 pages a week and we didn't know what the next week was going to be, God, but brilliant. it was fantastic. It was. God, wow. What a, that's like, yeah, that's like, uh, I, I don't know if it is quite, but it sounds a little like punk guerrilla filmmaking on a bigger budget. Obviously that's, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, like, What's it? Because in my mind, um, Tom Selleck's got enough, um, I don't know, sexual presence to turn like uh, Donald Trump gay. Sure. So like, what what was it like being around, um, working around that hunk of spunk? <laughs> oh man, you know, uh, the first time you meet Tom and Ted for that matter, they're both so good looking that mm. it astounds you. And you think, <laughs> what kind of vitamins did you take? Um <laughs> And then, uh, like everybody, when you start to get to know people, you see the real person that they are. And yeah. they're good men with integrity mm. and value. They're smart. Um, they're well-educated. Tom went to USC. Ted went to Stanford. And actually, Ted's from Arizona. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, they have great... Um, great desire to do the right thing every day they have mm. great manners they're a lot of fun and yeah. and the and and they are kooky you know tom is kooky and ted is kooky and i think you need a yeah. little bit of that you know mark twain said an actor has to have a little bit of monkey in him um and you're not gonna last the distance otherwise yeah, yeah you have to have a little monkey in you so yeah. all three of us have a little monkey in us um, yeah. And we, we got to know each other really well. We went out to dinner every night. It was really Brilliant, fun. Yeah. We would have parties every weekend because up in Toronto, all the other actors, there were a lot of films being shot up there. Uh -huh. And we were able to um, get in with all the other actors. And we were basically the most popular actors there. So the three yeah. of us would have parties 
and Ted had the biggest room. Ted Ted rented <laughs> the most gigantic suite you've ever seen in your life. Um, <laughs> just enormous. And um, yeah. we'd have a party there every Friday, Saturday night. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Like the heydays, man. You gotta you gotta oh yeah. It dig was dig in. Yeah, it was for great. sure. I mean, God. You'd have Cher there and Burt Reynolds and... Oh, dear God. Wow, okay, would, that kind of party. Yeah, wow. just like every famous actor in the world was shooting up there and they'd all come to the parties. Yeah, yeah. And like just anecdote after anecdote, like being created, I should imagine, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so in, in terms of, um, I mean, the next step, I... I Like, for example, a Cocoon and what have you, That those are, I, again, like, fantastic movies like that's an a, a, iconic moment right that's a iconic film like yeah it, it, what, what, did you ever think like that when am i going to make a mi- misstep like there's so many movies just went from one after the other that were just so because it's easy to say now with hindsight oh that was just easy oh i just took the you know it was, i just did that because i said i read the script and it was gonna be marvelous and everything was wonderful yeah. but clearly it's just not not the case it's like how do you keep hitting those home runs steve uh, you know, it's sort of like um, being a cricket player that just hits every oh, time. Oh, good reference. Good reference. You know, when you just you just hit every time, and there's there's mm-hmm. no missing, and you're you're given God's you know water slide, and He says. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> just, you know, it's going to stay on it and stay on it and stay on it till I decide you're not on it. Uh, yeah. And I was very, very lucky to have, uh, you know, a, a billion dollar run. And the yeah. pictures made money everywhere and they made money internationally, which was great. Mm. Yeah. So I got really lucky. Yeah. You sure did. And just uh, briefly, like, before we bid farewell i was just what 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 do you make of england when you first came over here i I, obviously i don't know when that when when that first was but what was your first and um my first picture in england was the boys from brazil and okay shot in shepherdin and um god wow fantastic did a few scenes there i was 18 years old and the first thing i realized the difference between shooting in the UK and shooting in, in the US was the camera is the king in the in the UK and the actors and the director are the king in US. But camera, though that's the royalty of the set. And that I was see. the first yeah. big difference. And um, I also I uh, love the idea of calling the electricians Sparks. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Sparkies. Yeah, and, yeah. And um, yeah. Uh, I really and enjoyed the wine during lunch. Uh, oh, fantastic. I, I thought it was really unique, you know. Um, and people had a beer during lunch, which nobody does really. I was going to say, hang on. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's going back. In yeah. the U.S. And um, I... Uh, I found it, I found it every day was, you know, when you don't live in a country and you go there and you're, you're given per diem and a great hotel room and, and immediate friends to know and, 
all these cool people that you hang out with and who are like you, who are like you and have, 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 have enthusiasm for life. It's just wonderful. Um, I, I really had my, a great time my first time there and I treated very well. And, um, and, uh, but, you know, coming from New York, which is a Jewish bastion, you know, much of New York is Jewish. You come to yeah. London, you realize that you're not a majority. You know, I really thought that they, everyone was Jewish, like everyone's Jewish in New York and Hollywood. <laughs> But yeah. you come to London, you go, oh, not everybody's Jewish? Oh. Yeah, it's, it's a melting pot, our, our lovely city, yeah. It's much different. But um, yeah. I loved every second of it and uh, stayed at the Dorchester and the uh, Hotel Intercontinental and just had a great time. God, man, you you just did so damn well. There's just no, you just like hit the hit the ground running. When you were talking earlier a little bit about um, going from studio to studio, it kind of reminded me of the Tom Petty story when he first came to LA with two of his other buddies and they literally just found um, a list of record companies on the floor of this phone box. And so he went, oh, okay. You know, and his one way of looking at it was like, oh my God, how many people are doing this? The other one was like, I've got a free list. Great. So he just went on just knocking on all the doors of the record companies right. with like this demo. And eventually like they just got a deal within right. like days. That's all it takes. You got to just keep knocking on doors. And yeah. Just, and, and take your pride, put it on the shelf and say, Hey, I'd like to meet, I'd like to meet you. Would you meet me? Would you talk to me? Yeah. And uh, yeah. you know, nine guys will say no. One guy will say yes. And that's yeah. the guy you you know you you hope to connect with. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And uh, did you did you enjoy the English countryside with three men and a little lady? Then loved it. Oh, I always love it. Oh, going to bath. The, chur the, ch yeah. the church scenes for God's sake, that's hysterical. Can you oh. remember the last scene and 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 your feelings shooting that scene in the church? Right. So great. Great. Unbelievable. Magnificent. Magnificent. Everywhere we shot. That was a great, yeah. and, and, the, and the sheep in the, in the road, and just great. So, I have so many great memories. Okay, well, look, thank you, Steve, so much for your thank time. You. Um, I hope when I come over next time, we can all have a, you know, uh, uh, maybe a brandy or something like that, and it'd be great. <laughs> yeah, that's so sweet of you. Thank you so much, Steve, and, and best of luck. And dear God, look after your arm. Thank you yeah oh my goodness look at that well done okay man thanks for including me yeah oh dude it's, it's been an honor thank you so much same here same here right. hope to meet you in person Brilliant. cheers mate i'll see you again <laughs>